Chucking It From The Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chucking It From The Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. This week on the Checking It from the Cheap Seats podcast, we welcome the head coach of the Evansville Memorial Tigers, Heath Howington, to the show. Coach Howington is a 12-year veteran of the sidelines as a head coach, following an extensive uh, run as an assistant coach under the likes of Mike Adams, Andy Eigel, J.R. Holmes, and Brian Spear. He has spent eight years at North Posey and the last four at Evansville Memorial. He is one of the co-founders of Feel for the Game and one of the directors of the world-famous think tank, one of the top coaches' clinics, not just in the state of Indiana, but in the country. This week, we welcome Heath Allington to check it from the cheap seats with us. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, and shooting camps can improve performance for you. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest individual basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 basketball facts. D1 basketball camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 team camps have hosted more high school sectional championship teams, final four teams, and Indiana All-Stars any other camp shootout or summer tournament. D1 team camps provide the best chance for a school coach to work with all their teams in its top-tier competition from That uh, if you hear a little bit of an awkward pause, like when you get finished speaking. Well, today on the Checking It From The Cheap Seats podcast, we are blessed to have Heath Howington, uh, the head coach, Evansville Memorial. Heath and I, we've known each other for a long time, and I'm really excited to have him on with us today. Coach, thanks for taking time. Hey, thanks for having me on today. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Coach, I think you do a tremendous job with your program, and you do a tremendous job with a lot of things. We're going to talk about a little side project that you've got going on, feel for the game here in a little bit. But kind of tell us about your background, um, you know, as a player and then ultimately getting into coaching. I was west side of Evansville and played for an outstanding head coach and Michael Adams have so much respect for him without him and creating a passion for the game of basketball we wouldn't be having this conversation right now so so much credit to coach and and also coach joe Patton, who was there at rights with me Uh, i started coaching at evansville harrison i volunteered for a couple years while in college and then student taught at evansville north was the freshman coach there had to move away my first year teaching to Eastern Green and had an outstanding mentor and coach Andy Eigel, who's still one of my best friends today, uh, lived in Bloomington and something opened up at Bloomington South. And so just being a little closer to home, I moved there for three years and was a part of a very special run. And we can talk more about that here in a little bit. Got to work under the all-time winningest coach in J.R. Holmes. And then I met a girl. She was from back here. So. I moved back home and uh, came back to Evansville Harrison for one year. Coach Holmes, when I had that conversation with him, he said, Heath, I can't compete with the girl. 
<laughs> did he sure say it? Did, did he say it exactly that way, Heath? <laughs> he probably had a couple other words yeah, in there, yeah. but I'll never forget that. Yeah. But, uh, no, that that opportunity led me to become the head coach at North Posey when I was 28. Was there for eight years and forever grateful for that opportunity and uh, just getting ready to start year four at Evansville Memorial. Yeah. Coach, you said you were at Harrison for a little while. Um, I didn't know about that stop. Was Coach Spear the head coach at at uh, Memorial, or excuse me, at Harrison at that time? Yeah, he was the head coach there. I came back to Harrison the years uh, 2011 and 12. Uh huh. And uh, man, he he was really good. Learned so much from him, and actually knew him from Evansville North when I was a freshman coach. He was the JV coach there. Mm-hmm. You know, Coach, you just. The the pedigree of coaches that you have been with is just almost unfathomable. You talk about Mike Adams, you talk about Andy Igo, you talk about Coach Holmes, and then you talk about Coach Spear, and then moving on to become a head coach. But what was something that maybe you took from each one of those guys uh, along the way? Just been extremely blessed to learn from some of the best uh, outstanding basketball coaches, but even better people, and been able to take bits and pieces from each one of their programs and try to bring that into our own. Uh, so we could, we could have an entire podcast about each one of those guys, but I uh, just can't thank them enough for the foundation they set for me and just everything they've taught me. Yeah, and uh, Heath, I really like what you had to say there, that you were able to take bits and pieces of the things that each one of those guys did really well and, and kind of make that your own. And I think sometimes as young coaches, we can get caught up in trying to be somebody that we're not. And so if people were to, you know, outside of our region of the state were were to ask you, what is it that Heath Howington does best? What are, the, what are some of the things that you really try um, to be really, really good at at Evansville Memorial? No, this is a great topic. And my first year as a head coach, I mean, keep in mind, I was – Three years that got to work under the all-time winning head coach in the state of Indiana and J.R. Holmes, and we were 75-3. and three. Mm-hmm. We won two state championships. We won 49 games in a row. We're ranked number three in the nation. Mm-hmm. It's just surreal, and it still hasn't hit me yet. But my first year as a head coach at the age of 28, I tried to be J.R. Holmes. And I quickly found out that wasn't it. Uh, number one, we didn't have the type of talent that he did. <laughs> and number two, like I just couldn't be him. Mm-hmm. So I think the most important thing that I learned at an early age as head coach is just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily I've been molded by some really good coaches and been able to, to mold that into our program. But kind of going back to like what do we stand for, uh, really our motto is just to love the process and refuse to get out work. Mm-hmm. And I saw that from the guys that I worked for that just be obsessed with the daily grind, be obsessed with getting 1% better each day and and don't worry about the end. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, don't worry about your sectional right now. Just worry about your next practice. Mm -hmm. And and that's really been ingrained in me. And then just refuse to get out work. I think that's one of the things that we can control. And we try to make that contagious to our players. Our assistant coaches do a great job with that, and that's just something we try to build our program around. Coach, I want to step away from hoops for just a little while, and I guess really we're not stepping away from hoops because I know how involved your family is 
in everything that you do coaching wise. But you talked about how you had that conversation with Jr. about, hey, I've met a girl, and he said, I can't compete. Tell us a little bit about your wife and your family and how supportive they are in, in the process of you being a head coach. So my last year at Bloomington South, going into the last year, uh, it was that summer, and my best friend said, hey, you need to come out and meet this girl. And I'm like, Kyle, man, I don't <laughs> want to do that, but it's your best friend, so you have to listen to him. Yeah. And uh, so I did, and that was best decision of my life. So we ended up uh, doing the long distance thing for about a year and I just knew I had to be with her. Mm-hmm. So I remember going into his office that day and just explaining to him, um, this is why I'm going. He said, I can't compete with the girl Heath. And, but he, he really meant that mm-hmm. and Absolutely. he supported that decision. Uh, that, like I said, that was the best decision that I've ever made in my life. Uh, one of the toughest things I had to do was tell those guys, those players that, and I was just an assistant, uh-huh. but when you pour it all out for three years and, and you really fall in love with the place and so comfortable, mm-hmm. it's hard to let go of something like that. Well, especially in the middle of the, the type of success that obviously Coach Holmes has had over the years, but that, that you know, window uh, of, of time, you guys were really, really good. Um, but obviously, it was a great decision for you. It's been been one that's really good. Your wife is a principal, correct, in the memorial system? Yeah, she's a principal. I'm actually on fall break today, and she's still working. Uh, her fall break is next week. So okay. uh, she texted me earlier and said, are you bringing me lunch today? <laughs> and, and you know how this works. It's, it's not a question. It's oh, more like, yes. hey, I want some lunch. Are you going to bring it to me? Well, sure enough, I did. And Got to see my kindergarten son while he was eating lunch, so that was really cool. Uh huh. That's awesome. And I, you know, I ran into you a little bit down there at the Pocket City League, and you know, you're coaching your son now. Um, and what has that process been like for you? He's a third grader, and so we're coaching his memorial team, and uh, it's, it's just fun coaching at the varsity level, and then coaching at the third grade level. It's like chess and checkers yeah and just the challenge of like what works at that level has it's just been a blast and that age group of kids they're just so hungry to learn mm-hmm. uh, i know your your son being in fourth grade what a phenomenal player he is but that age group of kids they're just so fascinated with the game there's so much that they're trying to absorb you know Heath, i'm so glad to hear you say that and it's kind of a topic that that i guess i get hit up on a lot because of you know, Griff being uh, there in the fourth grade and, and being younger. But I tell coaches this, uh, high school coaches, whether they're assistants or head coaches, I'm like, don't pass up the opportunity to coach your kid when they're young. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things that we have responsibilities to attend to with our high school teams and our high school programs. Um, you know, last year was a little bit tough for me when they started playing in some more tournaments. Uh, but, you know, most of these tournament directors – uh, these weekend tournaments, they're pretty flexible with you. So you can still do your film. You can still you do your walkthrough. Or if you're not playing on a Saturday night, you, you can practice and then work in these, these pool games on Saturday and then have Sunday to play the tournament stuff. But I tell coaches, don't pass that opportunity up because it's fleeting. It's going to be there. And I'm so glad that a couple years ago when the parents talked to me about doing it, that I decided I was going to do it and make that commitment for, for a couple of years to do it. And 
yeah, it takes some time. Um, it takes some planning, and there's some times where you, you wonder whether you're coming or going, but, man, it's definitely worth it. Busy weekends, but, yeah, I think you would agree we wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, just seeing your kids really become obsessed with the game and um, just being around our high school players, which is, is just an incredible thing for them. Uh, man, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, you know, and I, I hear a lot of coaches talk. I talked to Coach Weaver uh, last week. You know, it, it, my my son, who's a sophomore this year, he's going to play on the C team. He's a part of our program. But just having your kids around, I mean, that's special. You know, and, and I know your son, I see it a lot, that your son is, is around your program. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of special moments that come in, in those times, whether they're at practice or they're at games, isn't it? Yeah, as I'm recording this podcast here in my office at home, I have a picture of my very first talk at Memorial after our first game, our first win, mm-hmm. and it's our two boys that are watching me give that talk. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I'm in a face mask at that time. <laughs> yeah, a, a crazy memory, but just seeing them, like be in the locker room and really embrace being a coach's kid. Um, it's as my wife says, it's just what we do. You know, it's it, it, my daughter went through this. She's 20. She'll be 21 here in December. But, you know, she pretty much grew up her entire life a coach's kid. And there are some disadvantages, and there are times where that gets to be tough. But I also think it's extremely rewarding with some of the things that you're able to do with your family and with your kids that, that other kids just, you know, sometimes dream about. So, Coach, along these lines, and, you know, you got the office there at home and you got the boys uh, – you know, so both the boys are in school with the wife today. Is that correct? Yeah, kindergarten and third grade. Okay, so they're they're at school, um, but how do you find the balance in life? I, I that's a question that I get a lot from young coaches. Is okay, you know, I I, I want to embrace the grind, kind of like what you talked about whenever you were an assistant there with Jr. And, and I really want to throw myself all into this, but how do I find balance? What, what's Heath Howington do? To, to check himself and, and to make sure that you're giving the boys and giving your wife and, and giving yourself the time that you need away from the game? I don't think there's one right way to do it, but one thing that I'll do during the season, and as you know, October, we're starting to really ramp up. Mm-hmm. I'm When I get home after practice, I'm going to start turning off my phone mm-hmm. uh, because you know how it is. I mean – we're already starting to get bombarded with messages and calls about this or that that's related to our program. Um, All good things, just things that we need to do. And um, you're like me, you're task oriented. So when you see those things popping up, you're, you're automatically thinking like, okay, what am I going to have to do here? Uh, So by turning off the phone, I think that's really helpful. Uh, We only get a small window of time with our kids by the time we get home from practice. Mm -hmm go to bed at night. So uh, I think just maximizing that time with our family is important and uh, no distractions with the phone. So that's, that's definitely something I'd recommend to young head coaches. That is a great tip because <laughs> I, I, I chuckle because I've been there a million times and you go home and if you don't turn that phone off, there'll be a text message and it can be the most minute thing in the world. It can be, you know, uh, maybe a question that somebody had about sixth grade basketball. And then all of a sudden, 30 minutes later, you're, you're still dwelling on that or thinking about, you know, something that could wait 
really till the next day. And so that's, that's great yeah. advice, Heath. I mean, think about it. We have maybe two hours with our kids before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. It's that sometimes. And I've, I've been trying to go out and play some backyard soccer. I'm not the best soccer player in the world, but I am getting better. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are bringing you along there, right? They are. They picked up soccer. Our third grader has. It's been fun to watch. You know, Coach, you, you talk about the feeder program and, you know, your son's in the midst of it right now. So, obviously, you, you have – a vested interest, but obviously even before this, you had a vested interest because ultimately those kids in the feeder program at North Posey and at Memorial were going to play for you. What do you think is the most important skill that coaches, head coaches can emphasize within their feeder program? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I think ball handling, especially at an early age, mm-hmm. is so important. I keep telling my son and his teammates as you can improve your ball handling. You'll be amazed at how the rest of your game will expand. Mm-hmm. So skill-wise, I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But just overall, an intangible thing is just trying to get these kids to love the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Coach Adams did that with me at an early age. And I just – I really feel like that fifth grade age group right around that time mm-hmm. – is where you really decide if you're going to love this game or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more so, with that. You know, um, Coach Weaver was on last week, and, and he talked about footwork, and I've always felt very strongly about shooting. Um, Kevin Roy and I, he teaches here at uh, Bar Reeve now, and he was a former head coach and coached some of the Graves boys at, at White River Valley in his coaching days. And Kevin and I have a lot of basketball conversations and, you know, we kind of go back and forth on what is the most important skill and, and what do you have to be doing in your Saturday Saturday morning fundamental sessions. Uh, but the one thing we always come back to is that no matter what you work on in practice within your feeder program, the number one thing that has to happen is at the end of that workout session, the end of that practice, those kids have to want to come back to the next one. They got to love it. And I, I, I really enjoyed what you had to say about that. Yeah, we just have to be careful not to burn these guys out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ask my son a lot, you want to go out in the driveway and shoot? And if he says no, that's it. Yep. Yep. I'm no. not going to make him. So, As coaches, we're always looking to sharpen our axes. If you're like me and you love to read but struggle to find the time to make it through an entire 200-plus page book on personal development, look no farther. I've been using short form recently. And I love how it condenses materials and gives me a breakdown and summary of the chapters. Shortform also has exercises that accompany the materials to allow you an opportunity to test your knowledge and help retain information to get a free unlimited trial and access to an additional 20% discount on the annual subscription. Join Shortform through my special link, shortform.com forward slash Coach Thompson 44. 500 students, so mm-hmm. we were a, a decent size 2A. Yeah. Uh, not traditionally known for basketball, so uh, we had a lot of multi-sport athletes. It was just a great school and community. I could have retired there. I absolutely love teaching and coaching there, and forever grateful that they took a chance on me as a, a young 28-year-old. Uh, but transitioning into Evansville Memorial, I got the job during COVID, mm-hmm. so when I took over in the summer, we couldn't really see our players. We had, I think, one summer workout with them. Everybody was in a mask and spaced out. and mm-hmm. Just a crazy year. 
We don't want to ever but, relive. We don't want to ever relive those times, do we? <laughs> no, it's turning the page. But, yeah, uh, we did learn a lot. Made sure to never take anything for granted. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, similar size wise, Evansville Memorial, we're just over six hundred students, so we are a very small three A. We're a Catholic school. It's just a phenomenal institution. Really lucky to be able to, to go there and teach every day and and coach a a basketball program that um, hopefully continues to rise. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about, you know, some of your expectations for this season and some of the guys you got coming back, because I know you, you return quite a bit this year, don't you? We do. We're really excited about this group. This will be year four for us at Evansville Memorial. And so the first year being the COVID year was tough, but this senior class, this is a the group, really our first group to go through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're really excited to see what happens with this group. Uh, I think we have some really good seniors that have done a nice job leading so far in the fall, mixed with some young talent. Uh, we returned some really good players from our varsity team last year, a couple mm-hmm. of all-conference players, and then mixed in a, a JV team that was 17-4, and four, a freshman squad that, won the conference at 21 and two mm-hmm. um, and, and a good incoming freshman class. So we're, we're just lucky to be there and, and hopefully we can keep this thing going. Yeah. Do you still have Pat helping you out? No, he's not. Oh, he okay. stepped away a couple of years ago. Okay. I didn't know that uh, he had stepped away, but uh, obviously Pat was a staple for a long time there uh, with coach Wilgus and the Memorial program. So, uh, but yeah, just a really good basketball mind for sure. Absolutely. Came from some pretty good stock there, playing for Joe Hinton in high school and then Bob Knight in, in college. Two pretty oh, inti- yeah. two pretty intense guys. I'm sure he had a few stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. We learned a lot. and uh, I loved hearing his stories. Coach, when, when you approach the season and you talked about, you know, we're, we're on fall break right now and then things really, really amp up when we come back from that fall break. When you play in your season, do you plan out the entire season or do you kind of go week to week or what's your process? For the most part, we go week to week. Mm -hmm. I mean, you need that North star, you need the end in mind and what are you really trying to accomplish? But for the most part, we will go week by week and leading up to game one, we play November 28th. It's Mm -hmm. our first game. So like, what do we need to squeeze in by that time? Yeah. I think that really, sets the foundation for how we plan out our practices that first month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really from November 6th to November 28th, you can't be great at everything, but what do you want to build your program around and, and what do you want to be good at early is what we say. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you got to pick, you know, hey, these, these are some things that, that are non-negotiable. We have to have these things in and, and these things accomplished before we play that first game so we're prepared. Um, and obviously, like you said, you got to have the end in mind. but I've talked to coaches before that, you know, they, they kind of plan everything out. And I'm like, you know, what are you going to do if some guy rolls an ankle? You know, you're going to have to make adjustments anyway. And so that's why I'm really more of a week-to-week thinker. And obviously, like you said, you want to be playing your best at the end of the year, and, and that's the goal in mind. But uh, there's a lot of adversity that comes throughout the season. Um, how do you how do you handle that, Heath, um, as a head coach, the – some call it the grind. Some call it adversity. Different things. Do you really lean on your staff, or, or, um, 
you know, how, how do you, how do you handle those things when they come? Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. And something we're really in our uh, beginning of the season is talking about adversity and, and how we handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, read a, a really good book called the locker room mm-hmm. and we're going to be basing our, our uh, talk on that. Uh, we're going to take them through a captain and leadership program on what that means. And, uh, just think for us to have success this year, it's all going to be about playing together. It's not going to be perfect. We put together one of the toughest schedules that we've ever had. We'll have a top five, three A schedule in the state, mm-hmm. and so it, it's not going to be easy. But yeah, we're I'm trying lo- to prepare for. I'm looking what at it right. Ahead. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm trying to figure out who the cupcake is. You don't have any. <laughs> no, there's not one game on there. You're like, cool. We get to play so and so tonight. It is. Yeah. It's going to be. A really good test. I know our guys are so excited about it. Uh, so it's we spent a lot of time putting this together, and we want our guys to be challenged. But kind of going back to adversity, our quote of the week this week was: "Adversity is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It's part of the path. It's part of life. Expect it. Prepare for it. Lean into it. Overcome it. Learn from it, and get stronger from it." And no. so we're really trying to embrace that this year. That's great. Uh, some great advice there for teams and for coaches. You talked about the book, The Locker Room. Is that the John Gordon book? It is mm-hmm. uh, Damon West and Stephen Mackey. Okay. okay. Uh, it's called How Great Teams Heal Hurt, Overcome Adversity, okay. Build Unity. There's another really good John Gordon book called The Locker Room, or I think you win in the locker room first. That's it. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. Outstanding yeah. read. It's kind of based on the Atlanta Falcons with Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Now that was a good one. But so this one is the locker room. And uh, what, who was the author of that one again, co- Coach? Damon West and Stephen Mackey. Okay. Damon West, Stephen Mackey. So, Coach, you know, you talked about adversity. You talked about your season planning. You talked about this brutal schedule that you you've got to put your guys through as you're going through the season. We're talking about here when we get back from fall break what is your favorite thing about coaching oh man where do you start <laughs> yeah there I, I know you're like me and there's a lot of things you really enjoy but but if you could just say one thing this is the one thing that really brings me joy in what i do every single day it has to be the relationships connecting with players mm-hmm. and talking to former players and just connecting with other coaches, mm-hmm. not just the ones in our program. It's all about the relationships. And it's just amazing to think about what this round ball has given to you and me both. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the you people said, we've met, the yeah. lessons we've learned. It's incredible. Oh yeah. You, you talk about, relationships and you know people say oh it's a cliche answer well the reason it's a cliche answer is because it is the answer it's the relationship like you said that you have with the players every day I mean you know whether it's conditioning or practice or the weight room being in there with guys seeing former players come back relationship with assistants relationships with guys like yourself it's just it is a relationship business and and that's what it's all about and coach, I've got an answer for this next one. I want to share with you if you don't give it. But what's your least favorite part of coaching? Uh, 
I've, I've got maybe one or two, but I've got a big one I'm going to share with you. I'll tell you what, let me give you just a second to think about that while I tell you mine. I, I always try to have all my equipment passed out to guys, like, you know, before fall break. Like, we've got our all of our equipment passed out. And I know it's easier for me in a small school because, you know, we, we do have – from time to time I have to do some tryouts and make some cuts and stuff like that. But for the most part, we, we are who we are at a smaller school. But, man, I wish that I had somebody to just deal with that equipment stuff because it's not it's not my favorite, not my favorite part of, of coaching. Yeah, that, that's pretty good because I gave our JV coach, Kyle Ayton, the responsibility of getting everybody's coaches gear together. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm like, hey, Kyle, can you just – make sure everybody gets it in. And so last night I got this message, hey, we have everybody's coaches gear in, but Coach Allen can. I'm like, oh, great. So, <laughs> the year you dele- called me out. Yeah, the, the year that you delegate that to somebody else, you're the last guy. The last guy yeah, to get, so get, I, get your I stuff I was up in. till midnight picking out my gear for the year, and uh, <laughs> he made sure to let me know about that. That's, that's funny. Well, but, yeah, as far as, like, what is the – least favorite part of coaching mm-hmm. i would say having to cut players yeah yeah that's that's um, not especially guys that go through your entire summer and fall like we're big enough where we will have to cut players and yeah. we'll have nearly 50 players come out freshmen through seniors this year so yeah uh, i know just our freshman team alone we have almost 25 mm-hmm. so yeah that's never easy that's um, not. You admire kids for coming out and having the courage to try out for a team. Uh, but unfortunately, you can't keep everybody. And, you know, hopefully we, we can, whatever time we have with those players, we can teach them some things that will make them a better man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Coach, you talked about something earlier that I want to forget, and I want to forget it forever, but I can't. It was COVID. Um, but there were some good things that came from COVID. Um and one of them is a project that I know is near and dear to you, uh, the Feel for the Game uh, project. And then ultimately that led to another project. You're kind of like me. One project leads to another. And then that led oh, to yeah. uh, the, the Think Tank project. So tell us about Feel for the Game and how that came about, and then we'll, we'll move on to the Think Tank, which I think is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for coaches to share and grow. Yeah, I'd love to share about this, something we're extremely passionate about. But two of my closest friends in coaching, Jeremy Roush was the former head coach at Fort Wayne Snyder, now is the founder of Flow Hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nate Kangany at Whiteland, head coach there. We are connected at Eastern Green High School. Mm-hmm. My first year teaching, I was a freshman coach and helped out the varsity at Eastern Green. And Jeremy was still at IU finishing up student teaching and I was a varsity assistant. So our JV was so bad that we had to play in practice every day, Jeremy and I. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> so I would practice our freshman before school and then lace them up after school. Our varsity was 3-18 and 18 that year. We won three games in overtime. Uh-huh. And it was, a, it was a tough year. But looking back on it and learning from Coach Eigel, it was one of the best years of my life. You know, I'm going to stop you for just a second, Coach, before you go on to, to talk about, um, you know, the the feel for the game in, in more detail. 
but that's one of the things I love about Coach Eigel is Coach Eigel didn't just coach when he had good teams. Like, he coached some tough teams that didn't win a bunch of games. But I tell you what, all those kids that played for him and, and all the assistant coaches like yourself learn from him. And there's a lot a lot of productivity, I think, that come from really tough seasons. Teaches you a lot about life yeah. and a lot about being a man. Um, yeah, yeah he just taught me, like, it didn't matter if we just got beat the night before. It didn't matter where our record was. He showed up the same yeah. mentality every single day. Mm-hmm. No, he's a great coach, great man. But go ahead, Coach. I'm sorry to stop you there. And tell us more about Feel for the Game and how that came about. Yeah, so Jeremy and I, we were on staff together at Eastern Green. and That next year, I went to Bloomington South, and he got his first teaching job at Southridge and was the freshman coach. Later, went on to become the head coach, so – We've been really good friends ever since. And then uh, shortly after, Nate Kangany was a student at IU, and he went on to help out Coach Eigel on his staff. And so we just got to know Nate through Coach Eigel. We became really good friends. And uh, so Jeremy, Nate, and I have been really good friends ever since. And we had this idea of trying to start something to help coaches. Mm-hmm. And so we launched Field for the Game during COVID, we thought, what better time to do this than when coaches can't be with their players, they can't see their players, they can't be on court with their players, but they're craving basketball. And mm-hmm. so we launched this thing where each week we would have Zoom calls. We did power timeouts, which are five to ten minute mini clinics. We did film room sessions, articles, you name it. Mm-hmm. And we would just blast stuff out every week and just amazing to see the response of coaches and how willing they were to share. And the best part about that was just how we were able to connect coaches all across the country. Yeah. No, that was phenomenal. And uh, like you said, it, 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 you know, craved or or it's the, you know, craving that, that coaches had uh, during that time because we couldn't get on the court with our players. You know, we were able to communicate with them and talk to them about, what we wanted them to try to do so they'd be back in shape whenever we, we could get them again in the, in the gym. But you know, a lot of coaches wanted stuff like that, and you guys did a phenomenal job starting that. And then once COVID was over, then you started the a kind of a coach's clinic part of that, but I, I refer to it as more of a roundtable discussion. And tell us about the think tank. Yeah, so a big part of that, uh, four years ago we launched the think tank, and the think tank is not your – average coaches clinic. Um, coaches clinics is more about just receiving information. We're different in that you don't just receive, but you share. And so it's, it's more of a round table format. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good thing about this is that you can try to get out of it what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you go to a clinic and you may hear a, a really talented coach talk about man to man defensive breakdown drills or zone offensive sets and all that stuff's great, but some of it may not apply to your program. Mm-hmm. So you really have to be specific in how you filter that information. The good thing about the think tank is that we actually reached out to each coach that was participating and we asked them what they wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. And we did our best to prepare the outline so that each coach could walk away with something that they really wanted. I'll tell you, Heath, I've been to some great clinics over the years, but this year was my first year to be able to be available to come to the think tank. And I just walked away and I was, you know, I I loved it. And I'll be back next year and I'm 
told a lot of different people, I'm like, hey, you need to get in and get in early. And I wasn't able to get in until late because I didn't know if I was going to be available. And I really appreciate you guys working me in there and, and getting me a seat at the table because it was, it was phenomenal. Uh, we appreciate that. We're fortunate to have you and many others at the Think Tank. We had 18 head coaches, incredible statistics here, but over 2,600 career wins and 196 years of head coaching experience was in that room. And, wow. Um, you talk about some legends and also some legends in the making. And I want to be quick to point out that there were several assistants in the room mm-hmm. that were sponges. Yeah. And, um, while it was great to learn from these veteran coaches, I think that maybe the most beneficial part of that was just seeing these young guys, the group that we call the next wave, that mm-hmm. are hungry and learning. No, without a doubt, because ultimately one of these days, you know, you're in year 12 and I'm in year 21, and one of these days we're going to be gone, and it's this next wave, the new wave of, of coaches that's going to be important. And, and, you know, sometimes I've been a little disappointed um, thinking about the future of the game and don't know how many guys are out there that are really wanting to learn. And then I, I go to something like that and I was pretty, pretty reinvigorated with, you know, my perception of younger coaches, because like you said, there were some really good young coaches in the room that were being sponges. And that was great to see. The only question I have for you about that is when's this faster all stuff coming out? <laughs> I just had to give you a it hard time. It is releasing today. Okay. Uh, no, I just had to give you a hard time because Man, I, and I don't know how you got all that stuff. I really don't. So hats off to you, man, because guys were going up there to the board kind of there in the speed round and drawing stuff on the board for those listeners that weren't at the think tank. And Heath was exiting Owen, and uh, he's put everything out on fast draw. You probably could sell that. Yeah, our, you could probably sell that and make a little bit of money. <laughs> our final segment was called Crunch Time. The clipboard is hot. Yes. You know, we want a hot clipboard as coaches. That means whatever we drew up on there, our players executed and uh, might lead to a fist pump to an assistant coach. But yep. uh, so we had some coaches go up there and they had all kinds of different categories. We gave them a chance to pick out a card. And these cards were, you know, things like set plays versus man to man. We had different alignments and maybe backdoor, need a three, post touch. How do you execute against switching man, chasing man? What do you run at the end of quarter? Zone offensive sets, out of bounds, full court, you name it. And our coaches mm-hmm. were phenomenal and gave us so much stuff. And I think my pen ran, ran out of ink that day. No, it was, uh, <laughs> it was some great stuff. And, yeah, I'm so so appreciative of you for doing that. But that's awesome. Coach, I'll uh, receive that email here shortly. Uh, diagrams are complete and fast draw. And, um, Coach Roush, he's sending that out shortly. Well, hats off to you guys for doing that because uh, it, it was some great stuff. Coach, along with the coaches' clinics and different things that you go to, where are some places that uh, that you go to to find some, some good tips? You, you like looking on Twitter or uh, other places? Where do you go for that stuff? I'm a huge Twitter guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think if we take our profession serious. The good thing about Twitter is that it's the coaching clinic daily. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a motivational quote, whether it's a, a new play or out of bounds or drill we could implement implement in practice, there's so much out there. And if, if we're not learning something new every day, we're not serious about our craft. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly liking things and 
sending it to our coaches, to our players. And uh, it's just incredible. Yeah, what we can learn from there. Well, and I liked what you what said about there. You, Coach? Well, I, I like going to Twitter too, and you know the the thing that I gotta be careful of is sometimes you know I like too many things and I'll put too many things in my bookmarks and then trying to go through all that stuff and I just have to kind of caution myself to not try to throw too much stuff at, at my kids, um, you know, throughout the season because there are so many things there that you like. Um, so I'm a big Twitter guy as well, and I like you know. The championship production stuff is obviously good, but then I've also found if you can find somebody that's really good at something um, to, to reach out to those coaches, those high school coaches, or maybe go visit them, uh, spend three or four hours with them, have lunch, uh, talk about stuff, those are always good opportunities and good meetings to have as well. Um, yeah, that's another good thing about the Think Tank is we obviously couldn't cover everything in those four hours, but mm -hmm. we hope that we were able to connect coaches with other coaches. And that was the most powerful thing about the Think Tank and just feel for the game in general is that you hear this coach, like a Mark Detweiler, talk about zone offense, and you're like, okay, he's my guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you hear coaches like yourself talk about shooting and drills you can implement in practice you know like okay i'm gonna reach out to him mm -hmm. so I, I think that's just the best part about it really well you talk about zone offense and and coach detweiler talking about running a two-guard front against an even front zone you know just things that you sometimes take for granted but it makes you think about the game in a different perspective uh, i thought that was one of the best parts of the clinic as well coach um Got a couple uh, questions for you here as we wind down. Uh, some kind of basketball philosophy stuff, just some stuff about Coach Heath Howington. But, Coach, uh, winding down at the end of the evening, and you're going to watch a TV show, and you're just going to kind of get your mind clear. The kids are in bed. The wife's busy. She's doing stuff. And you're just going to you're gonna watch a TV show. What are you watching? I try to get my mind off of basketball. I mean, we've been going – all day mm -hmm. and the older I get uh, the more I'm realizing like when my brain has maxed out yeah <laughs> I don't know if you relate to that oh yeah uh, I used to be just a night hawk I'd stay up till midnight one o'clock yeah watching film hammering out stuff and I I get to a point now where just my tank's empty yeah uh, so shut the brain off as far as the show I, I like suits on Netflix right now it's okay kind of my thing and I've heard some good. I've right heard some now. good stuff. Yeah, I've heard some good stuff about that. I've not checked it out. Good show, not related to basketball, so it's just a nice, easy watch that mm -hmm. gets me away from the game. Yeah. So you know, obviously, with the boys, they keep you busy. But you and your wife get an opportunity for a night out on the town in Evansville. What restaurant are you guys going to? Oh man, we like Mr. B's a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, get some pizza and wings. Um, that's. We could eat Mexican every night too. Yeah. So, well, you know. Um, yeah, Mr. B's is kind of a go-to spot. Mr. B's for you guys. I've heard good things about that. I've not checked it out. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to do that. Um, Heath Allington gets told, or maybe he's assigned a household job, uh, a chore around the house. What's your least favorite chore that you have assigned to you? Oh boy. Probably mopping the floor. <laughs> mopping the floor. Mine is yeah. mine is washing the dishes. And it's not near, necessarily a chore that's assigned to me. It's just something that my wife does almost all the time. So I'm like, 
you know, her love language is acts of service. So it's like, hey, I need to step up. I need to do this every once in a while. I can't stand washing dishes. But I, I, yeah, I'm I, with you. I don't know. You know. Sometimes I mop the floor, you know, with a Swiffer. But, um, yeah, it's th- those things aren't any fun. But they're things you got to do. You got to step up and you got to do them. Yeah, I'm like, I mop, I wet mop the floor every day at school. I don't want to come home and do it. <laughs> but yeah. sure enough, I do because she's my head coach. I know that. Absolutely. Smart man right there. So, Coach, here's a basketball one for you. You're on the road. You're down by two, under 10 seconds to go. You going for the tie or you going for the win? I think if you'd ask me, Early in my career, I'd say go for the tie. Uh-huh. I think the older I get, playing on the road, not easy to take a game into overtime with the crowd behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it just depends on the momentum of the game. Yeah, If we feel like we have the momentum, maybe you go for two. But mm-hmm. uh, Sometimes I, I think let's just try the walk-off. Yeah. And if we don't get it, maybe we get a good offensive rebound put back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'd say the older I get, the more I lean toward go for three yeah and that would be my advice to young coaches is hey if you're on the road go for that win i'll tell you a story that that convinced me to go for the win all the time is i was coaching at springs valley and we were down at crawford county mike brown was coaching crawford county they were really good and um, they had a six nine center and uh, we ended up being down two at the end of the game we were able to call timeout we ran a set and I told our best player, I'm like, hey, if you get a good look at a three, go ahead and take it. But I said, if you think you can get to the rim, then, you know, you come off that screen and you think you can rip it back and get to the rim, then go. So we uh, we run the set. Our best player uh, could have taken the three, but he thought he could get to the rim. Well, the 6'9 center rotates over, and so he has to end, end up settling for a little floater. Well, he missed that, and our point guard got the offensive rebound, and he shot it back up, and the 6'9 center blocked that shot. And I thought to myself, there's never again ever a moment that I'm not going for the win on the road because we missed the shot. We got the offensive rebound, which is exactly what you're talking about. Maybe you get the offensive board and the putback, and we got that, and their 6'9 center blocked it anyway. So I thought we're going for the win all the time. Go for the win, baby. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I cannot thank you enough for – I could sit here and talk hoops with you all day. I appreciate the heck out of what you're doing with Feel for the Game, with Think Tank, but more importantly what you do for Indiana High School basketball as a, as a head coach. It's a it's a very rewarding job, but uh, oftentimes it's it's one that gets very little thanks. So I just appreciate what you do for you, uh, for your program down there at Evansville Memorial and also Indiana basketball. I appreciate you having us on the podcast. And uh, a ton of respect for you and what you do at Bar Reeves. You guys have a a great program up there. I've always respected the way you do it. And, uh, you know, I asked my son, you know, every once in a while I said, do you think I should keep coaching? Mm -hmm. And he just looks at me and says, yeah, Dad, what else would you do? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know if it's, you love it so much, yeah. or you're not good at anything else, Dad, so what are you going to do? The only thing that would be better than that is if he would have said, what are you going to do, sell tires? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, he thanks so much. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Best of luck to you and the Tigers this year. Oh, same to you, Coach. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Heath. About that? No, I, I think – and I, I think – I-
dad, especially if you have a son that is a player, like not trying to burn them out and, and, and beat a dead horse. It's got to be something that they want because ultimately down the road, whether or not they're going to be a great player or whether or not they're going to even finish out being a player in high school basketball, it really – depends upon their approach and, and do they love the game. So those are those are definitely great points. Um, Coach, along the way, you've, you've coached some pretty good players. Um, you can touch on some of this as an assistant coach when you were at Bloomington South um, and, until this time now here at uh, Evansville Memorial. You don't have to talk about any current players, but guys you've coached in the past, who are some of the top guys? I'd say one of the top ones was Jordan Hull. Mm-hmm. Jordan was Indiana Mr. Basketball at Bloomington South and went on to play at IU. Uh, got to see Jordan last weekend in Bloomington. Uh, he is now in charge of their recruiting. Uh-huh. And so just seeing him come back to the States, he was in Germany for several years playing overseas. And just to see him raise his family, he's a, a father of four now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, it's just amazing how time flies. But He's just a top-notch human being, and uh, we remain good friends to this day. So I'd, I'd say as far as an assistant, he's probably one of the top guys there. As far as being a head coach, uh, we had a player named Josiah Ricketts at mm-hmm. North Posey. Mm-hmm. Josiah was homeschooled leading up to his high school and uh, entered at North Posey, started his freshman year all the way through his last game of his senior year. So. Uh, he never missed a game, and he scored over 2,000 career points. Yeah, he was an incredible and, high school player. Yeah, I think there's only around 50 players in Indiana high school basketball history who have done that. So pretty amazing feat for uh, a guy like that in the middle of a cornfield. To, to be able to uh, end up scoring over 2,000 points, yeah, that is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, we we say it's, a lot of that goes to his teammates setting mm-hmm. screens for him and uh, delivering the passes on time, on target, and uh, a play card with a million different sets. <laughs> <laughs> All different different ways to get Josiah the basketball because it was difficult sometimes to just get it in his hands because he was yeah, such a – first game of his high school career at Evansville Central, he scores 26 points and from that point on, he was chased every other game. So uh, <laughs> uh, we had to get creative and get him open. There was no no breathing room for him. But, yeah, nope. still still a pretty incredible feat to score 2,000 points. Um, yeah, very, very very few guys score 1,000, but to score 2,000 is pretty remarkable. Coach, you, you talked about Josiah. You talked about um, uh, Jordan. And you, you talked about, you know, making that transition from a head coach to – uh, or excuse me, an assistant to a head coach there at North Posey, and then you you moved on to Evansville Memorial. I, I really consider North Posey to be small school basketball, and not that Evansville Memorial is you know g- you know going to be one of those schools ever looked at for the super class, but it's a bigger school. What are some of the differences between the small school and the big school? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, North Posey, we had about. Shotgun from the Cheap Seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. 
Contact Jeff Neal at 812 204 3808 or visit bsnsports.com.